This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 202. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, I'm glad you're here today. I'm just back from an amazing trip to Mexico. Patron invited a group of 25 bartenders down to see the tequila-making process from field to glass. And uh, at the very end of this podcast, I'm going to tell you how you can apply to be part of this amazing experience from Patron. First, let's do a cocktail of the week, and it's got to be the margarita, because I drank a lot of them while I was down in Mexico, and they are so delicious. And it also happened to be National Margarita Day the other day. I spent, well, I guess that's in the U.S., it's National Margarita Day. I spent Margarita Day in Mexico drinking margaritas. Uh, So anyway, I like to make my margaritas this way. We use a silver tequila. Let's use Patron Silver, uh, two ounces. One ounce of freshly squeezed lime juice. You wouldn't dare do it any other way, would you? Three quarters ounce of Gramonier for me. I don't. Uh, I p- prefer that over uh, other orange liqueurs, uh, especially for my margarita. And a quarter ounce of simple syrup. And shake that up real good. And then you know, there's different ways you can serve it. Obviously, uh, on the rocks, up with salt, without salt. Uh, sometimes I'll squirt just a little uh, club soda on top, which makes it sparkle for me. I, I like that. And uh, so, yeah. But it's a great drink, a classic drink, of course. And using that fresh lime juice is key. Next, let's do a book of the week. And it's Tequila, Distilling the Spirit of Mexico by Marie Gitan. And uh, if you really want to get into the history of tequila and learn a lot about tequila, this is the book for you. And we'll have a link to that up on bartenderjourney.net where you can click through uh, to Amazon. And it doesn't cost you any extra to do that, but it helps out the show just a little bit every time you do that. All right, back to the trip. I had a super early flight, left the house at 4 a.m. after closing the bar at midnight. (laughs) So didn't get a lot of sleep, but uh, flight out to Houston and then on to Guadalajara. Patron put us up at the beautiful Westin Guadalajara, which was uh, an awesome hotel. The first night we went next door to the Hilton Hotel and uh, had a real nice dinner. We didn't hang out very late that first night because we had jam-packed days coming up for us. So uh, the next morning we left the hotel on the beautiful Patron bus, which, uh, by the way, has Wi-Fi and power outlets for everybody and a galley with a fridge and a coffee maker and, uh, of course, a uh, potty. And uh, it was a beautiful bus. We spent a lot of time on the bus because the... uh, uh, the Hacienda, Patron Hacienda, is actually uh, almost an hour and a half from Guadalajara, where we stayed. So, uh, But first, before we went to the Hacienda, we went to one of the agave farms. Uh, um, Patron worked w- with about 10 agave farmers to source their agave. And um, should I back up? We all know how quality tequila is made, yeah? Tequila can only be made in five of... The 31 states of, of Mexico must be made from at least 51% blue Weber agave. Yes, Weber, that's my last name. No relation, unfortunately, to the botanist Frederick Albert Constantine Weber, who the plant is named for. Uh, so, as I said, the tequila must be made from at least 51% blue Weber agave. Quality tequilas such as Patron are made from 100% blue Weber agave. If you see the word mixto on a tequila bottle, run away. This means they're mixing lower quality spirits into that bottle to save money. Uh, to make it even more confusing, a mixto, mixto tequila does not have to state that on the label. Uh, and it's usually just labeled tequila. Uh, there, there are certain types of uh, this one particular extremely 
popular tequila that's behind almost any bar that you might walk into and you might be able to guess what I'm talking about and I'm not naming names here but it is a mixto and uh, it doesn't does not state that on the label and caramel coloring by the way may also be added to a mixto so uh, because uh, mixto is not required to state that fact on the label good tequila producers such as Patron will state on the label uh, tequila 100% de agave so to translate that into English not too hard to figure out, uh, that means tequila made from 100% agave, and other brands may use a variation on that wording, uh, but you get the idea. It, might, it may say azul, which means blue in, in Spanish, uh, so blue blue Weber agave or just blue agave, um, So, uh, but you get it. Uh, so back to the trip. Tuesday morning, we arrived at one of the uh, 10 or so farms that produces the agave for Tequila Patron, and we're given a tour of some, uh, a, t- a tour and some education about how agave are grown and how they're harvested. We're here in an agave field getting a tour of where the agave is produced. Uh, one of the producers that uh, Patron uses to make their tequila. This is Miguel Finesca, who's an agave chief for Patron. He spoke with a megaphone so we could all hear. closer. Watch how your step, the agave leaves are slippery. Okay, ready? Ready. Well, Patron, you know, well, tequila has Hawaiian denomination. That means that tequila must be made in a specific geographical area. In Mexico, it's called Old Jalisco State, some towns called Michoacán, Guanajuato, Nayarit, and a small part of the, in, the, in the north of Mexico of Tamaulipas State. But in Patron, we have selected a smaller area, that is the highlands. In Jalisco, there are two famous areas, that is the highlands and lowlands. Everybody, all the distilleries, we have to use the same type of agave. But in Mexico, we can find uh, around 120 types of agaves, but only one is allowed for made tequila, whatever kind blue. But what makes different one, one brand to another? It is from the, where the raw material is from. And in the highlands, we are in altitude right here. We are around 2,000 uh, meters over the sea level. It's around six, seven, 7,000 feet. And uh, this, this soil is rich in iron oxide. That is the reason why it has a red color. So in Patron, we selected this, uh, this area of the highlands. It is because the weather, the soil composition, that's what makes the terroir of the tequila. The, as you can see, and we are going to show you with the, with the gemadores, that the part of the agave that we use is not the fruit, it's the base of the plant called pineapple. The agave of this area gives more the characteristic of the properties of a fruit notes, more a citrus. And the agave from lowlands uh, has the property of more herbal flavors. So that starts to make different the tequila since the raw material that we are using. Well, Patron is making a different relationship with the growers than other distilleries. In Lowlands, the large distilleries, what they do is that they have their own agave. They produce their agave. Here in Patron, we decided to to buy it, to contract the agave when the agave is planted, not when the agave is, is mature. The agave needs around six, seven years for growing, growing, and then it be ripe for be harvested. But we don't buy it when, or we don't contract the agave when this is ripe. We have to contract when the agave is planted because we have to make sure 
that in the future we will have the enough agave for the next six, seven years. That is the reason why Patron decided to work with growers and con we contracted. Once the agave is contracted with Patron, my area, the agronomists that are under, under my responsibility, they have to stay supervising every three months the development of the young agave for making sure that the agave is healthy, is growing well, that the, the growers, they are taking care of the agave. And when the agave is ripe, is when we start the harvest. In Patron, we harvest all the year, 20, 50 weeks of the, of, the, of the year. The only, two, the only last two weeks of the, of the year is when we have to, to stop to give maintenance to the distillery. But the best season for the harvest is the spring. Why? Because it's when we can find the highest sugar, sugar content in the, in the agave. And that means that in the rainy season, the agave sugar is diluted or decreases. Why? Because the agave takes water from, from the rain and, and decreases. And in Patron, all the time we have to make sure, all we have to take care of the quality standards that in Patron we have is that in the, for harvest, we have to harvest only agave healthy plants and with at least 21% of sugar content. But if we want to make a, a batch of platinum or burdeos, we use agave with at least 28% of sugar content. The sugar content is measured with a tool called a reflexometer. Here's Chris Spake. He was he's the director of education for Patron and was our guide the entire trip. We want to know what the sugar content is in the starch form before we even take it to the distillery and bake it because this is going to give us a read of hopefully around 31 right now. Is that where we're at? That agave is 33. 33, 33 that's 34. high. So the math is a 33 reading on the bricks times 0.8 is going to give you the equivalent fructose scale of sugar and that's going to come in around 28%. So that agave would could be used to make platinum. Yes. Is that right? Exactly. Did I that's, say that right? Yes, that's right. I said it right. <laughs> yeah. So we'll find plants here that'll have a bricks reading of maybe 25. 0.8 on that's going to take us down to 20, 21. There'll be agave here that's below our standard too. So our minimum standard is it 24? 24 uh, for 21. 21. The, the minimum standard of sugar content is 20, 21. 21 yes. So that would be a BRICS reading of like 25. What happens to the substandard one? Very good question. The other reason why Patron decided to contract the agave instead of plant his own, his own agave it is because in the harvest, the quimadores, they are going to select only those mature and healthy plants like this and the rest plants like that and all those that they, that they leave are going to set to, somebody, to any other distillery not for Patron. Mm -hmm. right. Is this is this field five years old? Like Miguel, are these plants over here? Is this all five year old plants? Five to uh, six this year old. This is going to be next May, six years. And that's about oh, when exactly. the harvest. And all, all the plantation starts in in the in the spring, in May, in April, May. Why? Because must be planted previous the raining season. How the agave is reproduced? There are two ways for reproduction. For reproduction, one, one is by the by, by seeds and other is by rhizomes, by small, small plants like this. Uh, around every, mother, every plant of agave, you can see that pineapple was here, and around the mother starts to grow small huelos like this. This is the, now the most popular way that the growers reproduce the agave. They don't use the seeds, why? Because when the cute or the stem of the flower starts to spring, that you, you can see there are some of them, oh, yes. they have to cut it. So that means that we never have flowers. 
Why? Because it will add flour, the flour will use all the sugar that is mm -hmm. storage in the pineapple. And what we need is the sugar, right? Mm. That is the reason why the, the growers, they decide to use the, the, the hijuelos, the small plants of agave. But they, they use it, the, the hijuelos. The, the agave starts to produce, for example, the grower uses this plant, that is a premium, <laughs> that is a premium agave, hijuelo size, and they plant it. And this plant will start to produce now hijuelos or baby plants in the first, second year. In the fourth year, the grower will take the best agave <coughs> plants. The rest of the agaves like this that we can see in the field, he's not going to use it because the next year he will have more hijuelos for the next plantations because he has different generations. Agaves of one, two, three, four, five, and six years old. And all this agave and the agave leaves will be incorporated to the soil with the, with the tractors uh, there are some tractors working and at the end all this organic material is going to work like a natural compost. So the signal that how we know that the agave is mature, is ready for be harvested, is when the kyote starts to grow. It's not a rule that the agave must have six years. Why? Because sometimes we can find some pineapples, not 100% of the plantation, ripe in the five year. But other, we have to give chance for one year more. That is the reason why some growers, they have to use mules with baskets in the back for take out or bring out the agave that is in the, in the, in the rows. That is the first selection that they have to do. We say in Spanish, they have to entresacar, select those agaves that mm, are mature before than the others. They, they harvest it and they will come back the next year on six or eight months uh, 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 later, uh, uh, after. And how is that they, they are selecting the, the agave. And now, for, for example today, they don't have to make the selection because the most of the agave is, is, is mature at the same time. And they use the tractor for bring the agave from the rows and later will, will arrive the truck. This group of himadores, what they have to, they don't have to work eight hours. They have to, to they have, they have to harvest 20 tons only. How, how many hours? Sometimes four, sometimes five. They are paid for the kilograms that they harvest, not for the time. How much per day do they have to harvest? How okay. much per day? <laughs> One truck, 20 tons. 20 a group tons. of himadores. How so, many himadores? Uh, like a group of himadores, there are six guys. Six guys is the average. Sometimes we can find how much. So three tons right? per, three tons per person, uh, or less. So that's six thousand pounds per, and the average is probably what is that? A hundred pounds there? Uh, more or less, yes. Yeah, really. hundred. Yes. So sixty of those in a day. Sixty of those in a day. You couldn't do or one in an hour. <laughs> or eighty. Sometimes. Or 80. He's going to start the harvest to show you. He's high. Okay, let's move then. The, the tool is called Koa, T-O-A. And on the harvest, no, Ow! It's made by hand. 
Miguel, will you use the microphone? It's easier sure. to hear you, and this is really oh, sure. important information. Thank you. Perfect. You're welcome. We are going to harvest this pineapple into Patrona specifications. And the second pineapple that he's going to harvest is going to be harvested into other distillery specifications. And we're going to put both pineapples side to side to compare. And you will see how different Patron standards are. I'm going to explain you why. Why we decided to harvest different like other distilleries. Uh, for Patron, we try to, to close or the, the agave leaves as short as we can. What I mean, we try to remove as much green part as we can. Why? Because the chlorophyll produces bitter flavors in the tequila. Right? So the more green there is around the outside of it, the more bitterness is going to show up in the final product. Exactly. And we have, a, so that means that we start to take care of the spirit, of the taste of the product, since the peel, right? And this pineapple is going to be harvested like other distilleries. I'm not going to say the brand. <laughs> you can bring to your mind maybe a horseshoe or something like that. Right? <laughs> well, one thing about this is it's a house style thing. So it's not better or worse to have more green if you have more green on your piña, that's because that's the way your distillery, your brand's been making tequila for, for generations. And if you change that, then you change the flavor of your tequila, and then your consumer says, what happened to my, to my flavor profile? Exactly. So this is neither better nor worse. Our house style is sweet and smooth with citrus notes and no bitterness. That's exactly. Francisco's recipe. So that's why ours are, are shaved so tight. We, we want to bring out the citrus and not a lot of the herbal aspects of it this way anyway. Yeah, so then look at this pineapple. Looks um, greener than that one. Mm -hmm. This is the regular specifications for the rest of the industry. <laughs> uh, if you are a grower, what, what schema do you prefer? That or this? Better you are paid for the kilograms of, of agave that you produce by like hectare or by acre. Maybe you, 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 you decide this, yes, that represents that you are going to sell more kilograms with your the harvest is made by hand. So in Patron, we have estimated how much of the agave we sacrifice or we lost harvesting to close. We estimate this is around 10% in the payment we compare them with at least 10% more of the, uh, of, in the price. For that reason, Patron in the agave business is re recognized as the distillery who has the best payment per kilogram. And also because we select best agave, we don't use sick agaves, and that is the reason. And we have been working with, with them since Patron started, and we don't have problems with about it, they are happy and they they want to, well, they are increasing the production as Patron increased the sales. Do you have any question? How often do these guys sharpen? Is it every plant that they sharpen the blade there? They say what? Say that, say that again, please. How often do these guys sharpen the blade? Cada que como cada dos piñas, no? Las filas. Dos, tres piñas. Every two, three pineapples. Yeah, wow. they have to sharpen it. Well. From the very start, when we make our tequila, we're already spending 10% more 
than the industry standard because we just shaved off 10% of the potential yield from the pina. You can make more tequila with that one because mm -hmm. it weighs more than the other one because it's got more green on it. And I think as you go through the tour today, what you're going to see is that every step of the production process that we take you through is the long, hard, most expensive way to do it. It's the way Francisco spec'd it out to begin with and we've never changed it. So that's a, that's a really interesting comparison there. Yes, exactly. One recommendation, don't touch the agave because the agave juice producing your skin rush. It's not toxic, but it's all the agaves and cactus producing your skin rush, like for 10 minutes. If, if you ate this now, what, what would the flavor profile be? If, if you taste, if you taste it, the agave is not sweet. It's, it's, this taste is like the jicama. It's like jicama. Almost flavorless. Exactly. For that reason, we have to bake it for transform the, in the inulin, that is the starch of the agave, into most most is fructose, like in 80-85% is fructose and the rest is glucose. Right? For we need for one liter of tequila six kilograms of agave. That is the the, the proportion of the the rule the rule that we have. Six kilograms or twelve pounds of agave for one liter of tequila high proof. And see what this need we can know or they decide the gimadores. They are professional. They cuando tiempo tienes de ser gimador? 14 years of being a gimador. So they are very <laughs> professional in this. And they know very well what pineapple is into patron specifications because we have been training them for a long time. When we have a new agave gimadores uh, team, in previous we have to train them. And now in the industry, the Jimadores, they know what is the specifications for Patron because it's very famous, this. And sometimes some Jimadores, they don't like it to harvest for Patron. Why? Because for other distilleries, they don't have to make it very well. They have to put the koi in how you are cooking and it doesn't matter if the, if the, if the agave lift is short or long or if you have to select this, this Yes, this not and stay walking in the in the field. Also, the harvest for them is is more is better paid for than the other than the other for this for other distilleries. And once we have a, a team of himadores, they they continue. For example, Placencia he sells tequila. Sorry, agave not only for Patron. So he has a, a certain group of himadores only for Patron. Another group of of guys or himadores for the other distilleries. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is how it works. Any other question? <coughs> no? Well, if you don't have questions, I think that we have finished the agave explanation. Thank you, Miguel. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Thank you so much. And enjoy your stay. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, so we're making our way back to the bus now and back to the hacienda. We can walk right. It's interesting that the agave have to be they have to take them out of the sun quickly and get them to the factory uh, same day real quick because otherwise they'll start to ferment on their own and uh, we don't want them to start fermenting yet. After seeing the agave farm, we got back on the bus and headed to the Hacienda Patron. The, uh, haciendas, the Hacienda is where everything happens. The agaves are brought in from the farms on trucks. Next, they are split by hand with, with axes into four pieces and immediately fed into an oven where they are cooked with steam for exactly 79 hours. Guys are cutting the agave and feeding them into the oven. 
By the way, if you go to my Instagram feed, uh, I took short videos of each step of this process, and you can kind of follow along, uh, starting with my earliest posts from February 21st, 2017. It's a bartender journey on Instagram, and make your way forward from there. I always, I also stitched a bunch of those together into a short video, and you can see that on bartenderjourney.net, and uh, I'll put it up on the Bartender Journey Facebook page as well, and and YouTube, um, so yeah, look for that, but uh, easiest place might be uh, on, well, any of those, not too complicated to find, right? So after the agave cook for 79 hours, it uh, gets a little complex here because after coming out of the ovens the agave are split into two sep- two different but similar methods for the remainder of the process uh, to make this Patron Silver which is the, uh, the the most common brand that you see all the time. Anyway, point is uh, they're broken up into two separate uh, methods and blended together in the end to create that uh, Patron Silver the, the skew that everybody's most familiar with. Um, so uh, for simplicity's sake we'll just follow one path here which is the Tohono method and uh, Patron does produce the Roca line which is the Tohono only product uh, which are amazing by the way. This is the cajona extracting the juice from the shredded agave. So following the tahona process, as I said, the agaves are cooked for 79 hours. A tahona is a giant heavy wheel made from a lava rock, and it goes around and around in a circle, crushing the cooked agave, basically shredding the agave, and it forces the juices back in and out of the fibers and uh, goes around and around. Uh, originally, that was driven by a donkey. A donkey would walk around in circles, uh, and now it's uh, uh, mechanized, you know. <laughs> so this will all be sent to giant fermenting tanks. Uh, yeast is added uh, and water, and then it will be sent to 10,000-liter pine barrels where it's an open fermentation process and it'll ferment for three days. Uh, The liquid will be strained and sent to copper pot stills. The liquid is finally fed into small copper pot stills for the first distillation. For the second distillation it's fed into an even smaller copper pot still. We could get really geeky about the difference between pot stills and column stills, and I'm sure we'll do that one day. Um, But suffice to say that pot stills are generally considered better. And uh, they are, in my opinion. So after the second distillation, we have Patron Silver, and it's sent to the bottling facility where each bottle is packaged by hand. Uh, it's interesting to, to see the uh, mostly ladies doing this job. Uh, it's a pretty repetitive process, uh, repetitive work, but they're, they're so fast and efficient at it. And uh, 15, 15 minutes out of each hour, the assembly line stops, and they stretch, and they get to take a quick break. And uh, this is, of course, to avoid repetitive stress syndrome. As you probably know, tequila comes in several different styles. There's uh, The first one is silver, or also known as blanco, or clear, or unaged, all, all saying the same thing. Uh, reposado, which is aged a minimum of two months. Oh, I should mention the uh, silver can be aged by law up to 60 days if the producer chooses to do that. Patron finds that unnecessary for the silver. Okay, next, uh, Reposado, which is aged a minimum of two months in oak barrels. Anejo, which is aged minimum of one year. And Extra Anejo, aged a minimum of three years. As I said, the silver is bottled right away, but some will be sent to age in a variety of casks. 
turns out you can even buy your own entire barrel of Patron and specify what type of wood you'd like and where how, how long it'll be aged, exactly how long it'll be aged, and uh, you can even get a customized label for your bar. And believe it or not, it costs the same as buying the equivalent amount of, case, of cases of off-the-shelf Reposado or Anejo. And one barrel will produce somewhere around 26... Uh, oh, it's right here. 26 to 30 cases around that. And, uh, of course, you'll have to pay for that all at once rather than over time like you would if you were bought case by case. But uh, how cool would that to be have, have a personalized barrel of Patron uh, and uh, with your own bar's name on it? And you can tell your guests you can literally, literally not buy this anywhere else. So uh, if you want to do that, I can put you in touch with the dude that can make that happen for you. Uh, let me know if you're interested. You know how to get in touch with me, yeah? And go to bartenderjourney.net slash contact. Okay, so now we had our tour of the agave fields. We had lunch at the Hacienda. We had a tour of the distillery. I haven't really told you about the Hacienda. It's not not too much about it yet. It's freaking amazing. Besides, besides the distillery, there's a gorgeous bar and a full-service restaurant. Uh, these amazing blown glass light fixtures and gardens and fountains and courtyards. And there's pictures of all this stuff on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, so look for Bartender Journey, like I said. So we had amazing cocktails at the Hacienda. They really spoiled us. Uh, I had an amazing Cuban cigar with some fabulous aged tequila, and I'm still missing that cigar so much, so much. Okay, then we went out to dinner again. We ate a lot, by the way. I need to go to the gym right now. Uh, after dinner, after dinner, I was done that night. It was it was a long day, and uh, I went to the hotel. But uh, well, some of the group went out that night. The next day, Wednesday, another amazing day. We get a wake-up call at 6.45, and we were on the bus at 7.30. Uh, this this trip uh, is a collaboration between Patron and USBG. I'm all t- always telling you guys to join the USBG, right? And like I said earlier, I'm going to tell you how you can apply for this trip. But spoiler alert, you have to be a member of USBG to do it. Okay, so the USBG has an incentive to do charitable work. Uh, It's called the USBG National Charity Foundation, although it's actually international. And uh, they do great, great stuff. As members, we have amazing opportunities, and the USBG wants to give back. The point I'm trying to get to here in a sort of roundabout way, on Wednesday morning, we got on the bus and went to a food bank. Um, So, yeah, we can go ahead and get people to their stations, and then we'll come around and kind of tell you what you need to do. And we counted and sorted and weighed food and we cut melons and we packed up vegetables and we got back on the bus and went to a schoolyard in a town called San Francisco, Mexico. And uh, we distributed the food to people who really needed it. We're here in the town of San Francisco, Mexico. There is a long line of people waiting. We fed 125 families that day, and an additional 70 packages were made up as well to be distributed uh, the following day, I believe. Here, a lady from the food bank was explaining to the crowd that we were a group of 25 bartenders from the U.S. and Canada that that were working with Patron to distribute this food to them. One quite elderly senora walked two hours each way to get the food. Uh, it was an incredible experience and quite humbling. Uh, this was another first for the USBG Patron Hacienda trip, and it felt great to help out. Where did the food come from? Well, some was donated, and Patron bought the rest. How cool is that? 
going a little out of sequence here, but on the way to the food bank that morning at 9 o'clock in the morning, we stopped at this very authentic taco stand, and uh, Senor was playing guitar and drinking Corona at 9 o'clock in the morning, and I just can't help myself but play you this little soundbite here. That evening we went to another incredible dinner and it was at a place called Cafe Luna. Here's me and my new buddy Ariel on the bus after that great dinner. How are you guys? Hello, hello. Where? Thank you. Where, how amazing was that dinner tonight? Oh man, can't describe it. It's so amazing. Everything's so so professional. Everything was great. Like beyond, what can you describe? beyond professional, it was like uh, innovative. You know what I mean? Like every presentation was just so different from what you see anywhere else. Yes, uh, I mean this last restaurant that we went, it was so unique. Everything was good. Food service, drinks, the bartender was phenomenal. Yeah. Oh my God, like everything was incredible. Like, what can I describe it? She, so, she was working nonstop, the bartender. Yes, nonstop. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And, and just pushing out drinks, like, just, and beautiful flower garnishes on the drinks are beautiful. Beautiful. So, so amazing. So, so professional, like, working on this crime. So awesome. It's a, it was a great time. Somebody from the group patched into the sound system on the bus and did a great job DJing for us on the way uh, back to the hotel. Then uh, from the hotel, we all went out on that last night, stayed out maybe a little too late. But we had a fabulous time. If, if it sounds like I'm gushing about this trip, I think I am. I saw some old friends and bonded with a bunch of new ones. I have real respect for Patron's integrity now and uh, saw firsthand how much work and love goes into making this stuff. The people at USBG who make this all possible are amazing and we just cannot thank them enough. Okay, now I'm going to tell you how you can apply for this trip. Number one, you have to be a USBG member. And you know how to do that, right? Go to usbg.org and sign up and uh, find your local chapter. Although you don't necessarily have to um, affiliate yourself with a particular chapter, but you'll get the most out of it if you do, of course. Uh, number two, you have to be a working bartender. And then number three, just go to usbg.org and apply. Uh, you'll have to fill out some forms and write an essay, and, but they take a lot of USBG bartenders on this trip. So, uh, yeah, you should apply. <laughs> hey, if you're on the fence about joining USBG or want to talk to me about it or have any questions to ask me, uh, please feel free to get in touch with me. I know of at least four listeners who have uh, I've encouraged to join, and, and uh, I would like to take credit for them joining, and I hope you all are... Uh, enjoying your your the benefits of being a USBG member, and uh, but seriously, I'd like to hear from you uh, about joining the USBG or for any reason at all. Just go to bartenderjourney.net/slash/contact and write me a note. I hope you're subscribed to the podcast, and uh, if you have any questions on how to subscribe to a podcast, you can go to bartenderjourney.net/slash/subscribe. 
We have lots of great more stuff coming up on future episodes, including interviews with Jack Daniels' master distiller, Jeff Arnett. We're going to talk to Nico Martini. We're going to talk to Sam Ross of Milk and Honey and Attaboy fame. Oh, we're going to talk to brand ambassadors from Monkey Shoulder, from Black Bottle Scotch and Drambuie. And we're going to talk to a really interesting guy named George Bressler, who's a lawman who's retiring and be, becoming a bartender. We're going to talk to my buddy Craig. So all those shows coming up soon on Bartender Journey. Thanks for listening. Here's our toast. Que vivas durante todos los días de tu vida. And that means may you continue to live all the days of your life. Cheers. We'll see you next time on the Bartender Journey podcast. Oh, I got it. Play it. <laughs> 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 <laughs>